Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for this day in the house of God. Lord, in the midst of incredible confusion that this world finds itself in, Lord, there's just a peculiar small remnant of people that are serious about you and so serious that they have, have uh, gone back to the fundamentals of the faith, Lord. It's, it's, it's absolute surrendered will, Father God. It's, it's the cross of Calvary. It's to be crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I'm not going after the pursuit of my desire and my affections and my preferences. I'm, I'm coming to you uh, surrendered, uh, carrying the cross, denying myself daily, Lord, knowing that this has a better promise of life. If I lose my life, I will find it. But he who tries to find his life in this world will lose it, Lord. So that the principles of faith found in your word, and your word says that faith comes by hearing and hearing your word. So we pray this morning over your word, that you would launch it out with the anointing that breaks the yoke of sin and selfishness and self-preservation, which is pride. Father, we pray that your spirit would be so strong today that it would just break the yoke of, of, that's holding us back from your purposes, O oh Lord. We pray that we would re be renewed and re-examine our walk in the Lord. We give you thanks for uh, this week where we celebrate the birthday of this nation, Lord. We pray, Father God, that you would allow us to receive the things that you have separated unto us in this world, Father God. That we would be the heirs of your grace. Father, that we would come out of captivity. That we would come out of that spirit of fear that leads to uh, bondage, Lord, and that we might be confident about a relationship with the Father in heaven, that we might be confident about his provision and purpose and the fulfillment of all things in his time. We pray, Father God, for renewal. We pray for our minds to be renewed so that we not be conformed to this world, but that we, Father God, might be presenting ourselves as living sacrifices that's acceptable and pleasing to you, Lord. Uh, let us refurbish, Lord, and polish those things that allow us to prevail, Lord, and to persist. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Uh, we were talking about on Wednesday, if you, you need to get that message, because we did Father's Day, and then Pastor Palma on last Sunday did uh, a world-changing son, and what are the attributes of a son? And a son is, wants to be as close as possible as, as he can to his father. Um, Jesus Christ, uh, we said last week, wanted to be one with the father. Uh, yesterday I was talking to a father and I said, I have to question your son's faith that he wants to be in a place where his father is not. There's something screwed up about that, that position um, that, that a son would take a platform where his father is not. And, and so um, true faith is, is being on the same page with the directives of a father. Uh, the, what I want to do this morning is I, I want to just highlight that, that if we're going to pursue genuine faith, and, and that's being compromised all over the world right now. Um, uh, I have a friend that I grew up with who was 10 years old, and we were going to the same um, parochial school. And so now we're going to go into our 50s now. I turned 50 in about 10 days. And he puts on Facebook that he's in Italy at the Vatican, at the Basilica of St. Francis with his gay husband. And that they're at mass on Sunday morning and they're having communion and he was chosen to be the cantor, the one who sings a song to the Lord as the people come up and get the Lord's Supper. So this is the atmosphere and the climate we're living. 
And, and to me, I don't understand how somebody could say he's singing to the Lord in mass on Sunday while they're visiting Rome with his gay lover. That's, that's how bizarre life is getting. So that's one far extreme. And now the other far extreme is a Christian who thinks that they're in Christ disrespecting authority and established order in the house of God. So there's all sorts, and across it's a rainbow of challenges to the elements of our faith. Challenges, adversity. And, and this is all happening in the heart of man. So on Wednesday, we talked about how, since, since Pastor Palma has shared on uh, world-changing sons, I, I went back to the first sons upon the earth, the sons of Noah. And there were three of them, and it was Shem, Ham, and Hafet. These three boys begin a journey on the earth, and they're going to culminate either in a genuine faith or a faith that's not genuine. The older Shem, he sees his father naked, and he covers him to not dishonor the house or the family. Cam or Ham, he sees his father naked and begins to mock his father. He begins to defy the family and begins to challenge dad. There's the two currents. And so that's the disposition that we have here in these two lineages. Shem gives forth a lineage called Abraham. And Cam gives a lineage or Ham gives a lineage that's called Nimrod. These two descendants of two sons determine what's happening on the earth today. Shem um, is the lineage that worship God and respects fathers, respects family. He has no, he has no issue with that because his heart is lined up to wanting the father's pleasure to please the father, the father's desire. Uh, the other gentleman, um, Ham, gives forth to Nimrod. And, and here is the, the effects of Nimrod's attitude is to defy God, defy the fathers, and establish false worship in the world. He's the one that starts idolatry. When idolatry starts, it was... It was Ham who started saying, we don't have to put God first. We could put other things first. And so you see that, that those two lineages reach to this day. Now, because it's so subtle, and, and let me tell you, it's getting scary. Because you have pastors, and you have leaders, and you have people that proclaim to be theologians and experienced, and, oh, I, I know what I'm doing. I've been a Christian long enough. Um, back in the old days, as people used to go deep into the earth <clears throat> to mine coal, these people were working down at the depth of the coal mines, and a lot of them one day would just pass out and die. And they didn't understand what was taking place. There was, there was something in the climate, in the atmosphere, that until they dropped and died, they didn't find out that there was danger. So they started, a man, I'm going to say his name here, uh, a little background. John Scott Haldane in 1913 decided that he wanted to stay alive so he would take a canary down to the, uh, to the coal mines with him. He, he would take a little animal and he would say, come on your little cage and, and he would bring it to the coal mines and sit it next to him. If ever he saw the canary drop dead, he was getting out of the coal mine. Because there was something in the climate that was unforeseeable, unseen, unnoticed, unannounced that was taking the life of a man. The little canary could sustain only a little bit. The human being a lot bigger could sustain a lot more. But if the canary died, then the man would eventually die if he stayed there. And I just want to suggest to you guys that you find your spiritual canary. You find out what is alive and well that sooner than later is going to pass away so that you could salir corriendo, so you could get out of the scene. Um, 
There are some people that are not going to learn until they have a, a loss of life. They're not going to be awakened or challenged until it's too late. And I think that that's super sad. 1 Timothy 1.19, Paul tells Timothy, be careful that you hold on to genuine faith and make sure nothing is twisting your conscience. Because if you're not holding on to faith and you allow a bug into your mind to challenge faith, those who have rejected this with regards to a life of faith have suffered shipwreck. I, I want to ask you just a very dumb question. How many think that any ship ever sailed wanted to end up in a wreck? No desire. I, I don't think any Christian wants to end up in a shipwreck. Um, a shipwreck means you're not going any further. The only thing shipwrecks are good for now is to be like a memorial for people to go scuba dive and to look at what once sailed the blue seas. It's just a bastion of the past that no longer is prevailing in the waters. So a lot of people sit there and are concerned themselves about, Pastor, you're always, and my kids did this for a long time, you're always giving us that bad scenario. You're always talking about that one situation. And I was like, listen to me. Um, the highlight of marking territory is so that you don't run aground. When you're, when you're navigating channels in the ocean, you got reefs on this side and you got reefs on this side. And you got to stay the course down the middle where it's nice and deep so that you don't suffer shipwreck. But if you start going, oh, you gotta, I'm just going to go because you don't know, and, I, and, and it's gone. You're stuck. And you're stuck to your demise and to whoever is on that particular ship. And so Paul tells Timothy, he says, listen, be careful that when you're navigating in your faith, you keep a clean conscience. Because those who have desired not and they've rejected any, any admonition, they've suffered shipwreck. Now, uh, he, he's going to go on to a little bit deeper of a, of, of a description in the next verse. Verse 20, he says, like Joe and Carlos, he's, he's bringing up two names, Hymenius and Alexander, these two guys who I have delivered to the devil. I said, you guys want to be off faith? Go, my friend, and do me a favor, stay there. You, you want to do what, what, there's boundaries that have been marked. You have decided that you're not going to be within boundaries because you're just going to go in your direction. Do me a favor, go in that direction far enough so that you will learn not to speak against. See, that, that is the principle. Once, once he gives them over to Satan, I want to tell you guys, I've been pastoring for 19 years and I have never given anyone over to Satan. I have never done that. Uh, to me, that's like, woo. That, that would be an extreme case. The, the most I've come to this particular verse is, is one man wanted to leave our church, and, 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 and he says, you know something? I want your blessing to leave. I said, you don't have my blessing. He goes, what are you talking about? I go, yeah, I've been pastoring for 15 years, and you will be the first person that I don't give a blessing that is leaving the church. And I don't even know what that means, but let's find out together. Let's find out what it means together that you're making a decision with one of my spiritual daughters that is super unhealthy so you don't have my blessing. I can't tell you it's going to go well with you. And a couple years later, they lose their firstborn son or their second son. It was a girl and then they have a boy. So the price of straying, the consequences was a, a very horrible existence outside the parameters of blessing. And we've come to the place in Christianity where people just go outside parameters of blessing. Their parent says, you're not doing well. And it's like, well, I don't care what you think. Or I don't care what the spiritual leader thinks. Or I'm not even going to ask them. 
And they just, they just go into directions that the consequences of which you can't repair later on. But so in that particular instance, which has been only once in 19 years, that I told somebody, you don't have my blessing to leave. Because you don't even know where you're going and you don't know what are going to be the consequences of the direction you're taking. So it was horrendous. The day that his son dies, he calls me on the phone and he says, sorry, pastor. I said, now it's not the time to say sorry. Now it's the time to cry together. Now it's too late to fix or mend fences because you've lost that which is most precious in your life. And there's no way we can fix that. But, but it marks for our children the parameters of down the road for them not to. Because one day it will be their wife that will suffer. It will be the grandchildren that suffer. It will be a spiritual lineage that is lost. So here Paul is saying, I've given these two that are shipwrecked in their faith, because that's what he's warning us about. Be careful that you don't despise genuine faith because you'll be shipwrecked. And there's two examples, Hymenius, Hymito, and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan. This is an apostle. This is, uh, it, it's funny because yesterday I was talking to um, a police officer, and I said, what do you do if you're standing in an intersection and you tell a car, stop. And he doesn't even know who you are. You might be a UPS because the, 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 the UPS and the, the, the Metro, they have the same uniform. It's like, why is this UPS guy out there in the middle of the road stopping me? And he notices, wait a second, there's four more cops that come out in the middle of the intersection and they say, stop. And this person just plows through the intersection and keeps going. What do you call that man? The disregarded earthly authority upon the earth when he was told stop and, and he kept going, you call that man an outlaw. You don't call that man a confused man. We're living in a generation now that that guy runs over the police officers, goes down the street, they tase him five times. He goes for the cop's gun, the cop gets his gun back, shoots the guy, and the cop is wrong and that guy's a victim. Porecito, he didn't know what he was doing. I said, how do we set up a roadblock in an intersection with orange and white barricades, with flashing yellow lights, with rifles in our hands, with headlights and flare guns, telling this guy, stop! And he totally disregards. If, if that, you did that in the natural, the guy would be in big trouble. You do that in the spiritual and how do we call that as Christians? We don't even have a name for it. Because we have learned to trample people that have been placed in office of authority. We don't even have that. The senior pastor of a church could tell a person, listen, I suggest that you don't go in that direction. If you're confused about me being confused, we'll call five other pastors. We'll all stand in the middle and say, what you're doing is not from the Lord. And the person will say, well, I just still feel that this is of God. I feel that trampling authority, trampling pastors, trampling the order of God. So it, it makes for this element here. You got Nimrod, and we're going to go, let's go to that verse in Genesis. This, this lineage of sons, Genesis chapter 10, verse 8. Um, uh, Ham begets Cush, and Cush begets Nimrod. These are the, right, Cush begets Nimrod. So, so this is Nimrod is Noah's grandson, great-grandson. Cush is his grandson. And it says about Nimrod, he began to be mighty on the earth. Who knows a mighty person on the earth? It's, it's, they have two names, He-Man and She-Man. They're the mighty guys on the earth who listen to no one. And, and they have their, they stand up strong to say, this is why I'm taking this position. I have strength. I, I stand strong in what I've decided and what I'm doing. So this lineage here began to be mighty on the earth. Um, look what verse 9 says. He was the first one upon the earth that became a mighty hunter before the Lord. The whole dynamics of this translation says that he began to capture the heart's or the souls of men to turn them against God. 
He hunted man. When he would grab somebody, he would say, come here. And he would set them against God. He was a mighty hunter, not of animals, but of the souls of men. Before the Lord, therefore it is said, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter that stands against God. That's what, that's what his title. Here comes the great chutzpah. Um, in the Caribbean, there's a little island called Cuba. And it's championing socialism and communism against the great empire, America. So he's become that, that whole little island there in the regime standing against the democratic principles, stand against the great wicked America, capitalism and all the evils of democracy. And that little guy is shaking a fist at a nation that could squash him like a cockroach in a second. In one second, that little island will stop to exist. Uh, years ago, Manuel Noriega did the same thing in Panama. He's like, ah, we're, we're going to do, we're going to go against America. In half hour, you know what, how, how to dismantle a nation in half hour? In 30 minutes, the American Navy SEALs went in there and it was over. I don't... I don't know what a half hour war is all about. And like this is done. So here, um, Palestinians over by the West Bank tell the United States, you're the big Satan. And Israel is the little Satan. So these little countries... Look at America, says, you're a devil, and Israel's a little devil, and they have big words, and they're just challenging, and this is Nimrod shaking his fist at God. I don't have to listen to you. And he starts building the next verse, verse 10. He's the beginning of the kingdom of Babel. He, he raises up the tower of Babel. I'm going to raise a tower that's going to go against God. He's never going to be able to flood the earth again. I'm going to go so high above this situation that I won't be accountable to God. Listen, this is the beginning of chaos and confusion. Actually, the word Babel means confusion. When you're disconnected with the heart of the Father, you just have a dark existence. In this particular trip to the Grand Cayman last week, let me just give an example, and it's, it's close to our heart and our home. Uh, we went down to the beach one after one morning, and we, we stayed there the whole morning. I, I started trying to direct the troops. I said, Yvette, we're going to have dinner here. And the boys, we're going to have. And in all this array of organizing our family to live out the day in purpose, everybody decided to turn a deaf ear on dad. We're not going to listen to dad. So they were like, oh, and they started drifting away. And the other one drifted away. And I had no family within that lunchtime. So I said like this. I said, I know what I'll do. I will withdraw. I will not exert my power. I'm not going to get upset nothing. I'm just not going to lead the troops anymore. At 4 o'clock, five people were very confused. Because one wanted to eat pizza, the other wanted to eat cheeseburgers, the other one didn't want to eat, and the other, other ones wanted to go to sleep. So they're like, Dad, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. You guys figure it out. Since you were the one that was planning your own life, guess what? Go for it, my friend. Don't ask for permission, don't ask for no leadership, and you guys have a great time. Because what I see is a bunch of confused people, and they're hungry too. <laughs> and so in one second, all the order and the benefit of having structure and having been part of a family disintegrated, and now there's nowhere to be. And this I figured out when I was 16 years old when I was going to run away from home. I said, I'm tired of my dad. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I thank God I never left because I wouldn't have eaten. I wouldn't have had a home. I wouldn't have had a family. And this is actually what happens to Nimrod. He disintegrates the order and the, the formula of God's pattern upon the earth. And he creates cities like Babylon, Nineveh, Sodom, and Gomorrah, where there is no order. There's no semblance of respect. The men were raping men. The women were being raped. The women were being exposed and put out there as prostitutes. That's why they call it the great Babylon, the great whore in Revelation 17 and 18. 
from attitudes of rebellion and defiance and not having structure and not finding out the order. And, and here's where our kids learn. If mom and dad don't say anything, then I could do whatever I want. How did we ever come to that conclusion? It's up to you to find your leader and say, listen, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I want. This is what I feel. What do you see? What do you want? What do you feel? And that takes a heart like Abraham. Because in the lineage of Shem, which are the Semites, that's why upon the earth there's people against the Semites. They're called anti-Semites. There's a lineage of people that respect God, that love family, that love order, that see the benefits of being within an accountable community. And this is Abraham, who when he hears from God, his attitude is totally different. Genesis 22, verse 1. It came to pass after these things that Shem in his lineage is Abraham. And here it comes after a certain time that God came to test, to challenge Abraham. And say, Abraham, he said, here I am, Lord. I'm always near to hearing your voice. I'm open. What do you need? Verse 2. Take your son, the one you love, your only son, and go to the land of Moriah and sacrifice him there in a burnt offering on the mountains that I'm not going to tell you about now, but I'll tell you about it as you go in the way. And this man doesn't freak out. He doesn't defy God. He doesn't disconnect. He doesn't run to uh, some community to, to, to just air out his dissension. But the most, listen to me, this is my favorite verse in the whole Bible, verse 3. And Abraham awoke early. He rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two young men and his son Isaac, and he began to go to the place where God had told him. There's no verse between verse 2 and verse 3. There's no argument. There's no, I'm going to give you my case to disrupt your stupidity that you would restrict me from having and enjoying my son. But he's of the line of Shem. He is honoring his relationship with God. He's, he's worshiping God. He's surrendering his will. He's obeying and not challenging. The challenge is that you're confronted, but the obedience is natural in somebody filled with the spirit of God. How many people does it take before you bend? How many people spirit? I, there was one man. He says, I want to be part of your church. I had known him for 30 years, and he was part of nowhere. I said, if I could get one phone call from one person upon the earth that you listen to, then you could come and be part of our church. He had been a Christian for 40 years. One day, he decided to get married, and seven pastors told them not to. Guess what he did? He got married. So, so it's not long before you start developing a character of defiance where you don't see any spiritual authority. There was an older couple, multimillionaires, super wealthy family in our church about 10 years ago. And they brought their grandson, Dallas, and, and they, he was coming here for the summer. And Dallas would spend the summers with his grandparents. But this parent says, look, I'm bringing my grandson over here, but he's not going to listen to anybody. Only you as a senior pastor. I said, look, why don't you guys find yourself another church? Because the places of authority that God has put in this church include the youth pastor, include the ushers, include the Sunday school people. These are authorities from the kingdom of God. You don't come here and say, I'm only going to listen to you because you're the senior pastor. I said, listen, I'm sorry that you feel that way. But I knew that devils don't like authority. So if you establish authorities, the devils don't have any room over our children. If you undergo the authorities, even when I was raising up my children, four, four teenagers, every time we had issues about anything, I said, you guys go talk to Kenny, who's your youth pastor. You guys settle your issues with the authority God has put there because he's there to shepherd your soul. And I'm not going to 
treat you like that's not an authority because I'm the senior pastor and Kenny is an associate pastor. No, he's your youth pastor and he's responsible for your spiritual protection and you should honor that man like if he's one keeping care of your soul. And so I told his family, since you guys have decided that your grandson will listen to no one except me, then I suggest you find yourself another church. Because there's plenty of churches where you could go and the pastor says, I don't care if you don't listen to anybody. Just keep on bringing your tithes here. And I'm not going to be part of that because the devil comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. So thank God they came back afterwards the following week. And I thought I had lost a family. And they came and apologized and they said, he will listen to the youth pastor. He will listen to the authorities God has established in the kingdom of God. So all these parameters are there, and I'm blessed by the fact that Abraham is a lineage where he hears from God, and he has no qualms. He knows that his best interest is in the direction of the words that have come towards his life, because obviously God has put him there, and there's promise. There's great promise there. So I'm blessed about the fact that he rose up early in the morning. He saddled his donkey, took some servants, and started in his journey to sacrifice his son. A surrendered will is the foundation of the elements of faith. This is what the Lord has given us. Hebrews eleven seventeen, 17. Uh, Abraham being that, that description of those of us that are in faith. By faith, Abraham, when tested. When are we going to be tested? When we have a setback and a challenge. When things don't go according to our will. He offers Isaac up. One who had received the promises offered up by the only begotten. Verse 18. This man of faith offered up his son of whom it was said, in Isaac there's promise. Your seed shall be called. There's offspring. There's fruit. Verse 19. Concluding that God was able to raise up even from the dead. Listen, one of the most spectacular things of God is when there's nothing in him, there's everything. When there's, when there's no promise in sight, God begins to do things that are going to blow you away. From which he always re, all, also received him in a figurative sense. In, in Abraham's mind, there was a conclusion. If I walk with God, I have all my provisions. If I deny myself, I'm going to see the glory of God. He, he, he was automatic to that. One of the incentives I have to leave my law career, people says, well, why did you leave your law career? I said, look, because I could look back 50 years, even 100 years in the life of all my previous generations, and none of them did what God desired. They all went for what this earth offered them. So I said, they didn't end up too well. I'll be the first generation to not do my will and I want to see what that looks like. There's going to be a promise of the glory of God. Uh, a lot of people have asked me, why don't I, I walk in other directions? I want to see what God has for me. I, I don't want to see what I can get. I don't want to see what my strength can do. I want to see what God is able to do with somebody who trusts him. And, and I'm, I'm seeing the glory of God. I'm seeing, you know, and it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. Those are the, the setbacks of faith. Here, there's another example in, that's going to take place here in Hebrews 12, 25, in the midst of the uh, difficulties and hardships of our faith, see that you do not rev refuse, contradict the voice of the one that's speaking towards you. For if they did not escape who refused him on the earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who is letting his desire be known to us. The only thing that could happen to somebody who doesn't listen to God is what has happened to people who haven't listened to God before. Verse 26, whose voice shook the earth, but now he's promised saying, yet once more, and this is a promise I have for everybody here. Yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Verse 27, yet, one more, yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken shall remain. I, I want to tell you something that, that I don't doubt the fact that the devil grabs your life like a tree branch and starts shaking that baby like all it got. 
Because his desire is for you to fall out, to fall away. The devil has no desire in seeing the glory of God. He's, he's shaking, and the Lord says, listen, all things will be shaken, so only true things remain. And, and one, one uh, preacher had said like this. He says, look, if ever I'm in a condition where I'm fighting the devil, I'm going to start beating him with all I got, with my both hands. If he chops one hand, I'll start hitting him with the other. If he chops off both, I'm going to kick him till my feet fall off. If he chops one leg, I'll kick him, you know, with one leg. And if he chops off my arms and my legs, I'm going to bite him. I'm going to start, arm, arm, arm. and if all my teeth fall out, I'm going to gum them to death. Um, um, um. But he's not giving up. So in our faith, it can't be the little, oh, I, I do it. Listen, off course. And, and, and the, the invitation, go off course till you find out real quick that you disconnected and you won't find out. Hear everything shaken that can be shaken. So since verse 28, Hebrews 12, 28, we're receiving a kingdom which if you're founded upon cannot be shaken and promises of God are so powerful, then let's ask God grace so we might serve him in a manner that brings reverence and godly fear. Let, let us make sure that we're not towing the line. 2 Thessalonians 2.1 has a description of this. It says, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord and by the gathering together unto him. I'm, I'm, I'm going to beg, he says, concerning the coming of the Lord and the gathering together, we beg you, verse 2, that you not be too soon shaken in your mind and your thoughts are troubled, that your spirit, that the word, that, that information is coming as though there is something that is falling short of God's provision. Verse 3, let no one deceive you by any means that the day of Jesus will not come until there is a falling away, until a great many of those that were on track are no longer on track. Don't be shaken. Don't, don't be disrupted. There's going to be something called the great falling away. The great disconnect that, that many Christians will fall themselves in. I, I, was, I was talking to my brother-in-law yesterday, and I said, do you understand how the examples of faith that we have are like Elijah and Elijah? 2 Kings 2.9. When he had followed this man for all of his life, it was ending the course of his life. And he says, look, you've never asked me for anything. I want to know what you're following me for. And he says, when they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elijah, ask whatever I may do for you before I'm taken away from you. And he goes, I want a double portion of your spirit to come upon me. The blessings I see on your life, I want twice as much. He was asking for a firstborn's inheritance. We, we have lost a time, it's super sad, that parents have left anything for their children. In those days, children respected and honored and obeyed, not until they were 18. Well, I'm not 18 no more, so I get to do what I know. Their whole life, they were honoring, respecting, and obeying their spiritual leaders because they wanted the God of heaven to bring double upon them, the double blessing. And so here in Hebrews 6, 4, says it's impossible for those who have already tasted these heavenly gifts and have become partakers with the spirit of God, spirit that makes you a son, that adopts you, and tasted the good word and have seen the powers of the age to come, these guys have experienced the paradigm of the kingdom. Uh, the, the conversation goes like this. If everybody who represents a spiritual authority in your life is telling you no, and you're saying yes, will it go well with you? Impossible. We could throw away the Bible. If, if we could do whatever we wanted and despise people that have been ordained to have some reference 
And, and the word honor means weight. What weight are you giving? Here you have everybody that's involved in your life giving you great weight of influence. And you're undermining this. And you're going in the same direction. You've tasted the good word and the powers. Who, who would walk away from this? You ask yourself that question. Who would walk away tasting God's word and the powers of the age to come? The Bible says that these people, verse 6, if they fall away, it's impossible to renew them. How do you get a person that disrespects all the fundamental aspects and the elements of faith because of challenges? I'm not going to say there's no challenges. I'll tell you in my life, it's every day and several times a day. Every day and several times a day do I have to renew my obedience, my humility, my serving. Uh, the example of service in the Bible is two ox that put their head in a yoke. That's a servant. And usually the Hebrews used to put an old ox. You follow somebody who's been in life for a while. He's not in a hurry nowhere. He knows where he's going. And he's slowly getting there. You put him next to a young buck. What? What? Get me out of here. Well, who put my head in this thing in the first place? What does this mean? And, but being next to a wise, I like hanging out with Manny. You're not going to disrupt Manny too much. He's like, he's on course. He's moving. He's leaving a legacy of blessing. Way after his children are gone, they would see the mark of their father having worked and, and, and followed Christ faithfully. So they put this young back with this guy that's just he's staying the course. He's not being. And, and then after years of being there, now he becomes the old buck. And he knows how to walk in this thing and plow the field. And they put another young buck. And he's looking at him as a brother. I used to be just like you. I was bucking the system the whole time. But I've learned that if I plow the field and I stay as a servant, God's going to reward me. God's going God's to bestow his power upon me. So we have Elijah. But these guys, it's impossible to ever get them to come back because no one is going to crucify again the Son of God twice. You get one shot at being able to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. All these principles in the word of God deal with family, fathers, obedience, marriage, children, and all of this culture out there, uh, they call it counterculture. It's against the kingdom of God. They ask for permission. They, they almost crucified Oscar. He was spent five years waiting to get married. He was 45. And all his friends were like, Oye, tu estás loco. What the heck are you doing? You don't have to ask anybody for permission. But he says, no, I, I, learned, I learned that if I honor authority, then... That woman who marries me will let me be her authority. And, and that's how it's happened. It's been supernatural. It's the kingdom of God. Verse John 2, 18, little children, this is the last hour. If when this book was written, it was the last hour, imagine what it is now. The last minute, the last second. Little children, it is the last hour. As you have heard, there's many antichrists that are coming. Even now, antichrists are all around us. There's attitudes that are bucking Jesus off his throne of lordship, of, of obedience, and, and everybody's doing whatever they please. And we know it's the last hour because of how crazy things are getting. Verse 19. A lot of the people that are not walking like Jesus. Jesus was 30 years old. He says, me and the Father are one. 30-year-olds today saying, me and the Father are not one. They went out from us. They're no longer connected. They were not of us, for if they had been of us. This is the verse that pastors always use when people leave. And we're not talking of us at Spring of Life. We're talking about these elements of faith in the challenges of life you have to continually decide, will I die to myself? Will I grab my Isaac that I love, my only Isaac, and take it in the direction of saying, this is the most precious. He's like, Dad, what happened? This is because my desire is to please God above my affection and desire. That's called legitimate faith. That's called trusting God. But they went out that they might be made manifest. And, and that's what I often say. 
Let's, let's go and see the consequences of people who live by their own desire. They respect no one. When they get married, what happens? They instantly wake up. Oh, yes, honey. No way. They're going to say, my husband's demon-possessed. What do you mean demon-possessed? Yeah, he won't tell us what time we're going to dinner. He won't tell us when we're going to eat. But they went out from us to made, made manifest that none of them were connected. They weren't, they weren't connected to these elements. Um, I, was, I would tell my family that <clears throat> you have to continually check to see if you're on course. What, what determines whether we are on course or not um, are these principles in our lives. Is that the Nimrods that hear no one and edify their own cities, the Abrahams that don't hear themselves, they, their affections are, are, are embedded, they're seated, they have an Isaac, but they're willing to, to say, Lord, whatever you want, you, you know what's best. And so constantly throughout the Bible, in the Old Testament, Lamentations 3.40, it says, let us examine our ways. Let's consider our paths. Try to put those things into balance to find out where you are. Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. Let's figure out what direction we're walking, consistent with God or against his principles. Verse, uh, that's Old Testament, 1 Corinthians um, eleven twenty-eight. Each one examine yourselves. How many know that the Lord's Supper is on Wednesday this week, right? Well, we're going to be here to, to examine, to find out if we're still. Let each man examine himself before he partakes with the bread and the cup. There's people that haven't taken the Lord's Supper for a long time. They're not coming to the place to examine themselves in their faith. They're not coming to put things on a balance. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ is in you? Unless, of course, you fail a test. Is, is there in you one that wants to please the Father? Abraham came in that lineage to please the Father. Jesus comes in that lineage to please the Father. I want that spirit to be on my life and on the life of my children and my grandchildren perpetually. And I never want them to raise up a tower above the heart of God. That's Satan's nature. I will lift my throne above the throne of God. I have a different opinion than those that are in my life as an authority. Um, it's very difficult for the last 19 years to be shepherding my biological family because the principles of familiarity, they're like, tú eres mi tío. You know, tú eres mi tío. I, I'm your tío, but I'm, I'm, I'm exercising responsibility so that all the blessings of God will come upon you. I'm watching for your spiritual life. And, and that is honing on on your spiritual attitude. Because a lot of these things are an internal heart scenario. You can speak to somebody's life and they'll instantly walk like Abraham in the direction of their sacrifice. And you'll talk to other people and they'll tell you, how dare you? How dare you speak into my life? Don't you know that I've already made decisions? I've already decided where life is going to lead me. Let's stand this morning. And we have an opportunity once again. And I say it time and time again. This morning was the mercy of God upon our lives to hear a message like this where we can calibrate our hearts anew and say, Lord, I want to be of the line of Shem. Those that honor dads, honor family, deny themselves, obey, humble themselves, walk in open heavens upon my life. I don't want to have tasted the things of God's word and the powers of the age to come because I'm, I'll tell you the truth, in heaven... I don't know about you, but in heaven, there's not going to be any nonsense. Does anybody understand that? There's not going to be, ay, pero papi. None of that stuff is happening in heaven. Everybody in heaven is quick to run to do the Father's will. And that's the harmony of joy and peace that's in that family. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for renewing a right spirit in us. Thank you for giving us a steadfast heart. Father, read. Turn the joy of our salvation, Lord. Renew our heart towards you, our disposition. Lord, everything in this world, all the commercials, all the movies, all the songs are contrary to denying self. Everybody's out there trying to do the fast and the furious, trying to cater to appetites and desire, but we know those things lead to more and more ungodliness. They lead to more and more destruction. Teach us your ways, Lord. Renew our steps. 
wash us in your blood. Wash us, oh God, in your goodness, in your word. I pray, Father God, that there would be no mighty men as Nimrod in this church. That there would be men who have bowed down their spirits like Abraham who was looking for that city which God would build and not the cities he would build. That do not walk in idolatry, but walk in humility. We pray that your spirit would be strong in our lives. That we would be those who shine bright in this generation, Lord, as lights in the firmament. That our words, our hearts are not quick to dishonor. That we would cover like Shem, and Hafet, the nakedness of those that you have put in our lives. As we honor and respect you, Lord, as we live for your glory, I pray blessing upon the houses of every family represented in this church, Lord. I pray for open heavens financially. I pray for promotions. I pray for huge open doors upon those that want to please you, Lord. That those that want to flourish, like Maggie taught this morning, planted in the house of the Lord. Father, give us a spiritual canary, one that loses his oxygen before we do, one who keels over and dies before our death befall us and are evident, Lord. Because hindsight is always 2020, Lord. We should have, we could have, we would have, but we didn't have any standard, any barometers. We had no indication because we were trying to fly under the radar, Lord. We pray, Father God, that you give us wisdom, that you make us prosperous in all our ways, that you heal the brokenhearted, that you heal the infirmities, the illnesses, the sickness, Lord, that befall the plagues upon the earth, Lord. There's so many of them, but you set us free and heal us of all our infirmities, Lord. We pray for restoration and repentance. We pray for new opportunities. We pray, Father God, for legacy and inheritance to pass down to our children the example we leave for them, Lord. We give you thanks for this week's Lord's Supper. We pray that there would be full attendance of the body of Christ, those that want to sit down with Jesus in the kingdom and partake of the bread and of the cup with our Savior. We pray your blessings upon everyone in Jesus' name. And everyone says amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.